If you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open them there. Open to Psalm 24, Old Testament, book of Psalms, Psalm 24. My prayer, you all, this week uh, has been that, you know, it's Palm Sunday, the day of Jesus's entry into the Jerusalem for the last time, but I've been praying it would be a Palm Sunday unlike any other. Now, immediately we go, well, yeah, it is because uh, we're at home and you're there and we're online and there's a global pandemic. No, no, I pray it would be a Palm Sunday unlike any other, not, not because of the circumstances we're in, but because of the story itself and because we actually do something on Palm Sunday that the story is always inviting us to do. Uh, I, 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 can, I can tell you right now this, and I'll be asking you to do something here in a few moments. Uh, it's a choice that involves more than waving palm branches and shouting, Hosanna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be inviting you to make that choice. It's gonna require you to act to do something. And, and, and we're starting in Psalm 24 because I think Psalm 24 as well as any text prepares us to make that choice. So with that, Psalm 24, uh, follow along in the text. I, I, I wanna say by way of introduction, we don't know for sure, but most would, would say that David wrote this song at a time in history in an event in which he was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. Now, uh, the Ark of the Covenant had been lost in a battle it had been residing at Obed-Elam's home and, and David, the king, says, no, the, the Ark of the Covenant belongs in the city of God in Jerusalem. And so, so he goes and gets the Ark and he brings it to Jerusalem and he writes this song so that they would sing it and celebrate as the Ark is being brought in. Now, I've got a picture I wanna show you just so you have this context and this is a thread that we need to hold through the psalm and through the message this morning. You know, what, what's the Ark of the Covenant? Well, no disrespect, but I'll, the easiest way for us to get it is it's a piece of furniture. It's like the size of a chest, a large chest. Uh, within it was um, a pot of manna, the, the, the tablets of the law and, and the branch, you know, that was cut off that then budded of Aaron's, uh, the branch of Aaron. It's symbol, the Ark of the Covenant, symbolic of God's presence. This is the place where the people met God, the Ark of the Covenant. And if you get anything, hold on to this thought because this is the image we need to see that the song is telling us. The presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God is entering into the city of God. That's the thread through the psalm. Now, the song has three stanzas. I, I, I'll give them to you and I'll go back through them. God is sovereign. God will provide and God will be glorified. Now, when I say those, you go, whoa, whoa, that's exactly what we've been covering in our devotions for 21 days. Indeed, it is. We started off to say God is sovereign. Then we went through a week where we said God will provide and we were wrapping up today, in fact. God will be glorified. Now, walk through this with me. I'm gonna pick it up a few verses at a time. Beginning with God is sovereign. Look at verses one and two. The psalmist sings, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he, God, has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. So the song begins by saying, God, you're the creator of all things. 
being creator of all things, you're sovereign. You reign over all. The fullness, i.e., there is no nook or cranny in the universe that God himself did not create. And what that means is, if God created it, then he owns it. Then he rules over it. I think it's fascinating here that he uses the image of the sea. And I want you to reach back to Rob's message last week, which was phenomenal. And I hope you go back and watch it. He spoke of the story of Jesus calming the sea. And Rob said in that, that, you know, the sea in the Bible is that deep, dark, mysterious, chaotic thing, place. And Jesus calms the sea. Hush. I mean, with a whisper. Why? Because he's God. And as we note here, the psalmist begins to say that God formed all that is and, and he did it over the seas and the rivers. God's over all the chaos. And it reminds us honestly of Genesis 1, does it not? The creation account. Darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the faces of the water and God spoke and created all over the chaos. Let's go to verses three to six. He starts with God is sovereign. Then it's gonna go to God will provide. And by the way, let me say this. It's not just God will provide. Honestly, David has given us a hint here and he says, God must provide. If he doesn't provide, we're in trouble. Listen to what he says, verses three through six. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob, Selah, or interlude. David's asking the question, not just who can enter, Jerusalem, city of God, who can enter the presence of God, but who can stand, in a, who can remain in the presence of God. Now he gives the qualifications and it's not just the one who's not done anything wrong, external obedience, no. He says this person must have a pure heart. In other words, the only person who can enter the holy city, who can enter the presence of God and remain in the presence of God, which by the way, that's what we were made for. But the only one who can do that must be internally pure. It's gotta be, it's gotta be someone who's never had an evil thought, someone who, who's never had an impure motive, <laughs> someone who's never sinned in an attitude, not just in action. David's put his finger, has, has he not, on the, on the problem of humanity? And we talk about it a lot. We have a heart problem. Now, when we say heart, we know the Bible speaks of the heart as that uh, essence, that core of who you and I are. It's where we think, feel, desire, and choose. That's our heart. So the problem's not just my hand does this, my feet take me places. <laughs> no, it's my heart is darkened. You know, the problem of the heart becomes apparent when I ask you one simple question, okay? This is a yes or a no. You can answer out loud or you can just sit silently. Have you ever done anything with less than a 100% pure motive? Have you ever done anything 
with a less than 100% pure motive. Now, if you say yes, you have, well then you're not qualified to ascend and stand in the presence of God. And if you say no, you're really not qualified because you're a liar. Because no one, no one, the Bible says, lives with a pure, undefiled, holy heart internally. Yet notice verse five, he says, there is someone who gets there because he says he will receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. David clearly envisions someone in the presence of God and remaining in the presence of God who has a pure heart and clean hands. He envisions a holy person in the presence of God. And actually that takes us to the, to the last part of the, the song. We've gone from God is sovereign, God will provide to God will be glorified. Listen to verses seven through 10, follow along in your Bible. Lift up your head, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Scholars agree that this part of the psalm, in fact, other parts as well, but I think it just resonates. It's, it's easier for us to see right here at this part of the psalm. It's antiphonal. What, what do you mean antiphonal? It's that, it's when you're at a ball game and one side of the stadium says, blah, and the other side of the stadium says, blah, you know, and they go back and forth and back and forth. This is a chorus that is sung and get the picture in your mind's eye of what's happening here, the, the, the ark is being brought by David back into the, the, the presence of God, back into the city of God. This is the picture. And as the ark approaches the, the, the gates of Jerusalem, you know, it's probably David who, who, who shouts, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. And there's a watchman on the, on the wall who manages the gate. And, and he shouts back down or sings back down, who is this king of glory? And then the choir, all these people with David in the ark, they, they sing and they shout back, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Then they do it again. And the, and, and the watchman on the wall says, who is this king of glory? And they shout again, the Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory, and I want you to notice, it's not David. It's not David coming to the gates and saying, I'm the king, let the king in. No, he's saying, let the king of glory in. God himself, symbolized by the ark. I, I, I wanna suggest this, and I think it's appropriate. Verses seven through 10 in particular, y'all, we are seeing Palm Sunday, okay? a thousand years before it actually happened. Jesus is the sovereign at the wall, at the gates of Jerusalem. How do we know that? Colossians, all things were created through him and for him. He's the sovereign and he's come to the gate. And as Jesus comes to the gate, we understand, we know he's God's provision 
for our greatest problem, our heart problem. Jesus has come to the gate to enter Jerusalem. Why? To suffer and die, to be buried and rise again, to pay the penalty for our sin so that trusting Jesus, our, we get a new heart and we're clothed in Christ's righteousness. You see, Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is God's provision. He's at the gate, let him in. And finally, we note that Jesus by his life, death and resurrection glorifies the Father. If you're in the 21 days, you'll note that today we quote from John where Jesus says, I have glorified you. And he steps into the week that he will endure. He is the king of glory. Well, with Psalm 24 as our, you know, our lens, if I can say that, now turn in your Bibles and let's go over to the gospel of Luke. I want you to go to Luke chapter 19. We're gonna pick the story up and uh, Carrie and Emily already provided it for us where it's, they've gone to get this donkey that Jesus said, go get the donkey. They go get the donkey. By the way, the donkey was prophesied by Zechariah. 500, if this is the cross, 500 years before the cross, Zechariah said, your Messiah will come riding on a donkey. This is fulfilling the prophecy. And so now we'll pick up the story in verse 36 with Psalm 24 echoing. Note what we read. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near already on the way down the Mount of Olives. So he has to go down the Mount of Olives and he's got to go up the ascent to the temple. The whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You, you hear the echo of Psalm 24? The people around the presence of God, Jesus declaring his worth. Listen to what James Montgomery Boyce writes. Quote, interestingly, the ancient rabbinical sources tell us that in the Jewish liturgy, Psalm 24 was always used in worship on the first day of the week. The first day of the week is our Sunday. So putting these two facts together, we may assume that these words of Psalm 24 were being recited by the temple priests at the very time the Lord Jesus mounted on a donkey was ascending to Jerusalem, end quote. What, what Boyce is saying is, is this, and again, imagine this picture in your mind's eye. The very moment Jesus is approaching the gates, Inside the temple itself, the priests are singing Psalm 24. So it, it'd be like, you know, outside the gates, the crowds are shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory. It's like, open the gates, the king's coming. Inside the temple itself, the priests 
are reciting Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. What a contrast. And if I could summarize it like this, y'all, we can sing Psalm 24 all day long and miss the king who's at the gate. Totally miss him. So I say instead, may we join the crowd and the disciples, they exalt the arriving King Jesus. Did you notice here, by the way, look, look in your text and if you've got your Bible open, you'll notice verse 36, and as he rode along, they spread cloaks on the road. Do you notice in Luke's gospel, there is no mention of palm branches. Do you know in Mark, in, uh, Mark and, and Matthew, the, the text reads, and most spread their cloaks and others did palm branches. John's gospel just mentions the palm branches. So I'm not, you know, we're not getting rid of palm branches by any means, but I'm telling you, if we only had the gospel of Luke and Luke clearly wants us to see something unique here, then we would look at it and go, it's, um, I think it's cloak Sunday, not Palm Sunday. What are they doing spreading their cloaks on the ground for this donkey to walk on? You know, there's only one other time we see this phrase or this language in 2 Kings 9.13, Jehu, which is, he's not a good king, by the way, um, is being made the king of the northern tribe of Israel. And I want you to listen to what they say and how it's described. It says, then they quickly spread out their cloaks on the bare steps and blew the ram's horn, shouting, Jehu is king. What are they doing? Well, they're Jehu's ascending the steps to be the king of Israel and they're taking off their cloaks and putting them on the steps as a sign of their submission to Jehu who is going to be king. You know, the cloak was a year-round article of clothing. You know, like you and I, in the wintertime, it'd be our coat. We wear a coat all winter. Well, they wore a cloak, a shawl, whatever it may be, Y'all, in, in this Jesus' day, they wore it all year long. I mean, it's more like the shirt on your back. It protected them from uh, the sun, you know, sunburn. It, it, it protected them from the wind and the dust as it blew. At night, it got cold. It protected them and wrapped them up and kept them warm. Scholars say this, a Hebrew man would be considered improperly dressed if he did not have his cloak on. I wonder again if perhaps Palm Sunday is more about our cloaks than the branches. It certainly is for Luke. I said Palm Sunday is gonna require a choice or a decision and uh, we're there. And it involves more than waving the palm branches. It involves more than just shouting Hosanna. And I'm gonna invite you to make the choice right now, right where you are. Wherever you're watching, whatever. I, I want you to do this. I want you to grab your cloak. Well, what do you mean your clo my cloak? Lord? Well, I want you, you know, I don't mean, you don't have to take your shirt off, but a coat. Um, it was obviously that which gave them security. It was, it was 
priceless in a sense, valuable. So maybe you can grab something valuable, something that matters to you. And I want you to take it and I want you to lay it on the floor. Symbolic of what they were doing. It's, you know, we can shout all day long, Jesus, you're, you're God, you're my king. But I'm telling you something, there's, there's something to be said when we tangibly engage that. And so here, here's what I did earlier in the day because before I came, I took, I took my coat, I took this jacket off and I laid it on the floor of my house. And in my mind, I thought, what I want, I want to do something that says, Jesus, you're over me. You are the king of glory and you're my king of glory. And I have this picture in our house that our kids gave us a, uh, Christmas or so ago. And it's a watercolor painting of our house. And I laid that down. And trust me when I say this, I'm not talking about the bricks are of value as much as all that's represented inside those bricks, my family. And, and then I just pulled out my wallet and I laid my wallet down because you know that's, that can certainly be my God at times and my king. And then here's what I did. I took a picture of it. So, so I, boom, I shot a picture of that. And that's what I'm asking you to consider doing right now. What do you mean? I mean this. I mean, find a coat. Uh, I, what does the Spirit bring to your mind that, that's of value to you that, that you would lay down that a donkey would step on it? Because the donkey is carrying your king, our king, my king, my Lord. The king of glory, Psalm 24. Lay it down. You gotta run around and gather it. I know you need to do that right now, but go do it. Take a picture and there you'll see there's a, a really simple form for you to upload it. And I want you to upload it right now. It's not gonna be available after the service. This is something we're doing together in homes across our community right now. Even the world, some joining us from a long ways away. Put it down. Take the picture, go to the form, upload it. I'm giving you the time. Don't overthink it. The king of glory is at the gate. Lay it down. You know, go beyond the voice and and, and, and I don't know, you know, lay it down and declare, Jesus, you're my king. You're entering Jerusalem, Jesus, so that you will suffer and die so I won't have to. I, 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 so there's nothing I have that I wouldn't submit to you. And that's really what this represents for all of us as we do this together. You know, the reason that you and I can ascend and stand in the presence of God is because the king of glory went to Jerusalem to suffer and die. You and I can, can ascend and stand before the presence of God. Listen, not because we have a clean heart or clean hands. We don't, we could never get them. But we can because, in G, because we've trusted Christ, we're standing in 
his pure heart, in his clean hands. What did the psalmist say? In God's righteousness that clothes us. Let us this Palm Sunday, which has become Cloak Sunday, lay it down for our King. I'm gonna invite the worship team to join me because there's more to do. Yes, we lay these things down. We began with a song, we end with some songs because it's appropriate. As the band is coming up, the worship team to lead us, would you look again with me please at verses 39 and 40 in Luke. Notice what it says. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Was he serious? I mean, was he gonna make the stones sing? can, Can we say this? He created the stones. If he wants a stone to sing, it will. But the stones don't, don't have to sing if we will sing. We've got the privilege to sing. Say, Jesus, you're the son of God. You are the king of kings. And so I know it's awkward. I, I sat last week, I loved watching it online and it's kind of awkward to sing, you know, you're sitting there by yourself or your wife, your friend, whatever. But I do think it would be appropriate to stand or kneel, stand or kneel and lift our voices.